Support for the show comes from Atlassian. With a new story about AI coming out seemingly every day, it can be hard to know what it all means for you and your job. Atlassian thinks there's a lot to be excited about in the AI-powered future. Even right now, Atlassian's AI-powered software can help you boost productivity by eliminating menial tasks, generating insights, and helping you find information about projects, policies, and processes. No matter if you're a team of two or two million, or if you're around the corner or on another continent, Atlassian software keeps everyone connected and moving together as one towards shared goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. Hey everyone, this is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I have a great Dane that is going through heat and having stomach issues. This mm. is literally season one, episode two of Chernobyl. Not episode one, where we set up the characters and find out that Russian firemen are humans too before they get radiated. Okay. Literally, the reactor has blown up at the Galloway household. Oh, dear. I am I am ordering hazmat suits. Do not get anywhere near my vicinity right now. Okay. It is... Uh, ugly doesn't even begin dog to problems. describe what is going on. You have dog problems. You have dog problems. Oh, my gosh. I thought kids were awful. I mean, this no, is— they're not awful. This it's, is rough. Why do you have this these pets if you don't understand the, the burdens that come with that? Because they unconditionally love me. <laughs> <laughs> they're literally—they don't complain. They're never disappointed. They never say I'm quiet, and I don't yeah. share my emotions, and then I don't do anything around the house. I'm sorry about your dog. I hope your dog recovers. Anyways, how are you? Good. How are you, Kara? I'd like to discuss <laughs> some photographs, if you don't mind. Can we do that, or are we not allowed to? Well, is this is this the part of the episode where we discuss my off-mic behavior? <laughs> yes. Is this that part of the episode? Uh, do you approve or not approve? It's either you're horrified and you're okay with it. You know what? I... Scott, you be you. That's what I say. I, you know, people ask. Do me I all have the any time. choice? No, exactly. People ask me like, "Do you believe you?" I'm like, "Whatever. What do you care?" I was. I'm always like, "What do you care to people when people ask me about you and yeah. these kind of things?" Yeah. Scott posted some t- terrific pictures of himself. He looks great. I have to say, I think you looked fit, and I like that you're, you're celebrating your fitness. And you were very fit. My son uh, Alex was like, "Ooh, nice abs," essentially. Um, but uh, or maybe it was Louis. It was probably Louis. You looked good. I think I'm going to just support you in your in your continuing uh, efforts to show off your body. Go on. I'm glad to see you're finally investing in our I relationship. Think, I, I think if if it was total nudity, I might have a different issue. But I think probably big Ed and the twins <laughs> want a little love. <laughs> oh, no, I don't think I want. To Let's see that. bring them out. I don't Let's think anyone bring them wants out. To see that really. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. I think I think, you're right. I think it's fine. I think I think Stephanie Rule's comments were very funny. <laughs> <laughs> she is funny. Twitter knows Stephanie loves the dog. Yeah, I know, they, but they, they know gave, Stephanie. They, they loves gave the it dog. to her. They were like, "Let him be proud of himself." Did you notice that there was like a little shift towards Scott Galloway? I thought that was interesting. So, so let's be clear: ninety percent of it is narcissism. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The ten percent, or the way I, I rationalize the irrational, is 
um, you know, everyone asks what my fitness secret is on the, yep. on the thing. And I'm like, it's very simple. I've worked out four times a week for 40 years. Yeah. It's been my antidepressant. It's mm-hmm. been a ballast in my life. Yeah. You, really you are do. not your body. And, yeah. and I, I lecture young men on this all the time. You are not renting your body. It is not a loner. If you want to be less depressed, less, make more money, find a means of controlling your emotions and making better decisions, work out Three to five times a week. It is a gift from God as a species. Yep, I do. It helps my sons for sure. As a species, we are we are happiest when we are in motion, surrounded by others. Sweat. Yeah. Sweat. Yeah, that's why I like and it. That's I'm why gonna, I encourage it. That's I'm going to keep doing it, and I'm going to keep showing it off and feeling not better about myself, but less bad about myself. I think you should do a book. I think you should do the Scott Galloway workout book. I think that would be interesting. What do you think? Yeah, the problem is it all falls down around alcohol and my diet. Well, you can talk about that. It could be that kind of book. Yeah. You know what I mean? It could yeah. be really interesting. I think that's a genius. I had a big idea. thing on fitness in my Algebra of Happiness book, which you clearly did not read. <laughs> no, but I mean a whole book clearly... about you working out and lots of pictures of you. That's what I'm saying. Mm, I like that. You know what I mean? I, I think like it would that. be very in- I think people. I think people would like to hear how a, a regular Joe like yourself. <laughs> You're not a regular Joe. A regular Joe. Joe. <laughs> An aging athlete. Whatever. Yeah. I think it would be interesting. Yeah. I think I think it would be. You work out. You do Peloton. Are you still doing the I Peloton? I am. I'm back to it. I was off for a little while and got my pandemic 10 that I did, should I need to take off. So I've just started again. I'm doing the Power Zones program on it. Uh, so I've I've gone four days now, and I'm going to do seven weeks. So I'm going to do it, and then I'm going to move on to another one. Um, it's better if I have a program and people tell me what to do, or else I don't. I don't. Agreed. I'm so I need busy that all day. I find that's really... Yeah. There's so many great apps. Even Dreamy Crims- yes. Chris Hemsworth has an app. The other thing is I think there's a connection. There are really good apps. There's a connection. Nike has a great app. There's a connection between physical strength and grit and mental. And on yeah. the days I work out, uh, on the I'm sorry, the off days, I try and test myself mentally, especially on writing. I try and sit down. And this isn't easy. I open my laptop and I try and write straight for two hours with absolutely no distractions. Wow, good for you. And that is, I I find that more difficult than doing CrossFit to just say, I'm going to do nothing but write and edit for 120 minutes straight. I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm not going to look up. I'm not going to eat. I did it in the back of the car. You are really. I'm very productive that way. What is your, actually, this is a really, I think a lot of people would like to know, you're extraordinarily productive um, or prolific. What is your kind of your method? When do you write? What is your process? I, it's interesting. I, I, yeah, last night I was sitting in a car in a parking lot in Lorton, Virginia, because my son is taking this glass art class and it's three hours and it's a pain to drive there. So I literally sat in the car and did, I did my column. That's where I do it. I can write anywhere. Yeah. I can sleep anywhere. I was one of, I'm one of those people. I really just do it. I don't like over, I don't agonize over it. I just start writing and I don't like, I just, and I'm very organized. I spend, the thing that relaxes me, honestly, is cleaning. I clean and organize and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm a little anal retentive and mm-hmm. I'm a lot anal. But, my, but, I, but hold on a second. Just going back to your writing, because I think there's so many people who are follow you and admire you and admire your work. Mm-hmm. What What is your laptop? What is the software you oh, use? Oh, it's a Macintosh. It's just a Mac. Just not a very... And Google Doc, Word, what do you use? Uh, everything. I use, I use a Word. I use Word to write. Um, but I use this thing called mm-hmm. Scrivener for my book. I use uh, Evernote. Note. I do use Evernote. I use mm-hmm. Notes. I use Simple Note. Um, I, I do a lot of notes. I'm again. I'm very list oriented, and then I just 
tick mm-hmm. down the list. And I think that's really how I do it. And then I, w- when I get ideas, I put them in a document and I work on it all week. You know what I mean? I'm, something strikes me. You say something I like. like, And then I have little pieces of paper. You can see them right here, just little post-it notes. Oh, uh, when uh, when uh, Oswald said, too odious, that word odious really mm-hmm. struck me. Yeah, um, And yeah. then he called uh, Bitcoin, a, I think either you or he called Bitcoin a version of gold. I thought that was just smart. Mm-hmm. And I just put version of gold and I'm going to figure out a way to... R- to say, you know, attribute it to him. Yeah. Um, and then, um, and then I was on something else. I was talking to Evan Spiegel from Snapchat yesterday and he was talking about diversity and he said he, he prefers to look at it now as a talent agenda. And I just like that two words mm. together. So I write it down and then I, mm-hmm. and then I start, and then I spin out from that and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't, and your process, do you kind of, do you do a lot of research? Do you go online and like try and find yeah. interesting stories or yeah. do you just have a few themes and I have kind of themes that I as... stick with. I have themes that I stick mm-hmm. with almost constantly. A lot of it. And they change. Like right now, climate change tech is really interesting to me. So anytime I see something, mm-hmm. I, I keep educating myself throughout the week. But I, I don't, I, what I don't do is agony. I just type. I literally am like mm-hmm. this. It's like you're like, like I'm a plumber. Like I'm fixing the I'm fixing the toilet. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> like I don't yeah, think about it. I, I think a lot just of writers writing. agonize, yeah. and I just don't. I just get it done. So, um, and is I'm, there a time of the day you find you're more you're late more at productive? night after I clean yeah, something? Me too. After I me too. I have to clean yeah. first because it, it settles. For the cleaning my, part. I drink. You clean. I drink. <laughs> it settles my yeah. mind. I settle my mind by cleaning. Someone's always like, "Why are you cleaning?" I'm like, "I I like it. I like it, and it makes me calm." Um, so that's what I do. I clean before I write. It sounds really crazy. There's a great book on mental illness called The Unquiet Mind. And it's an interesting book just to understand not only everyone talks about flow, mm-hmm. but mental illness or this book is an interesting means of understanding what I'd call a lack of flow yeah. and how you can get to flow. Anyways, yeah. I don't know, yeah. Maybe think a, of that. It, it's, it's how you do it. I, my son was telling me he, doing this glass class where he does a lot. He does a lot of, it's not glass blowing. It's glass, whatever you make art out of glass. And he said it calms him just to look at the, at the, he, you know, he's so in his head is with work. Or Alex? Alex, Which he's is so this? in his head with work. And this makes him, it's like, he's like, it's like meditation for me. And I working with <laughs> his hands. And so whatever you find, as you said, working out, cleaning, whatever it is, whatever calms you down mm-hmm. is what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. And and in my case, it's, it has to do with uh, paper towels and cleaning uh, cabinets. <laughs> so, anyway, this is too much information. Let's talk about the other things. Yeah. I agree. That, that, thank you for okay. asking me that stuff. And and I really did like your pictures. I thought you looked great. Um, Thanks. So a couple things. The cryptocurrency Squid cratered this week after its founders seemingly cashed out tokens worth millions of dollars. Squid launched in October and skyrocketed to over $2,000 mm-hmm. per token before disappearing from social media. Uh, the project was named for Netflix Squid Game. There's, there's going to be a lot of these, Correct. These kind of little startups that come and go. Well, it's not even. A, this isn't even a startup. This yeah. is a. This. I mean, there will be a lot of startups that have legitimate founders and don't. I've started a couple of them that are that are you know kind of running on a, a, a hope and a prayer, and then when the cheap capital runs out, they crash. This was a fraud. I mean, what's so strange about this time is it's become so frothy that the haze or the froth is literally dying every red flag white and that is there are red flags everywhere on this if you mm-hmm. went to the site there were misspellings everywhere yeah you could buy the coin but you couldn't sell it mm-hmm. i mean and then they had what's called a rug pull and that is when people try to redeem and there's no liquidity the thing the thing went from what 2100 bucks a share to zero and yeah. uh, i mean so this is this will be further fodder for why the sec should issue another yes. another thought piece which will say absolutely nothing mm. 
but they have to. They really do need to step in here because Squid Coin threatens every legitimate coin, and there that are there's a ton of interesting innovation. But this is it, this <laughs> happened in the early internet. It did. Remember, you just it just did. There was a lot of this stuff going on, and it did hurt the rest of them, for the ones that were legitimately trying to do things. Yeah, it's it's um this was this was we're just going to look back on this. There's going to be so many articles going how on earth did we not see this coming? Yeah. 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 Well, they didn't actually ever regulate the internet, but in this case it has to be because it has to do with money and things like that very significant. Other thing that was I think a little bit uh, disturbing to the market and I tweeted about it and everyone sort of responded was Zillow is quitting the home buying business. This is sort of a trend yeah. thing started by Open door, um, which is still doing fine, it looks like. It's, I think it has res- results this week, or maybe they just did. Mm-hmm. Um, the CEO said the housing market is too unpredictable. One of, what they would do is buy houses, renovate them, and then sell them, essentially become flippers. Flippers, I guess. It needs, and the company needs to offload 7,000 houses worth over $2 billion, which could impact the housing market. We just determined that being an, an iBuyer was too risky, too volatile, and ultimately, address too few customers, too narrow. They're also cutting 2,000 jobs, but it was they were trying to sort of mimic some of the interesting startups, which is not the worst idea, but obviously the job market is tighter. Getting people to work on these houses, I think, was one of the issues. They misjudged the cost, which is incredible because they have all the data on these houses. What are your thoughts? This is a disaster. Yeah. Um, it, first off, Zillow, which is an incredible company, if yeah. you think about uh, Google, you know, is an unbelievable search engine and social, you know, or yeah. Facebook or an unbelievable, you know, social. Zillow is both of those things for what is one of the largest asset classes in the world, and that's U.S. residential real mm-hmm. estate. I mean, they own, I think they also own StreetEasy. They have so much data and they have they have managed to exit the stranglehold of Facebook and Google and people go directly to Zillow. Mm-hmm. They have incredible data. They have incredible ad tech that if you're a broker – in Short Hills, New Jersey, mm-hmm. you have to be on Zillow, or that that's just the go-to for mm-hmm. this enormous asset class. It's an incredible company. Stock's gone from 200 bucks to 75 based on uh, the excitement over iBuying and then, and then the disaster of it. And what's also interesting is that there appears to be no contagion here and that it appears to be an operational issue mm-hmm. uh, specific to Zillow. And that it's is open door. from Rich Barton, who I've known for many years. You know, he- uh, His brand took a huge hit here. Rich Barton was seen as one of these kind of iconic Reed Hastings-like yeah, executives. Yeah, 100%. I would argue he would probably be fired if there weren't two classes of of stock. This Mm -hmm. is the kind of thing that CEOs do and should get fired for. This Mm -hmm. is a fucking disaster. Right. Um, I personally think that, I mean, they'll be fine. They have over $3 billion on the balance sheet. They have a lot of debt, but it's not coming. It's a low cost, not coming due for a while. And the core business is just an unbelievable business. But when you announce like one day, I mean, think about this, his statement that the real estate market was unpredictable. Actually, the real estate market has been one of the most predictable asset classes in the world the last mm-hmm. uh, since since March or April, and that is it keeps going up mm-hmm. at record rates. So the fact that they're losing this much money, mm-hmm. I mean, it was almost. I don't want to say it's hard to lose money in real estate right now, but what they achieved is pretty pretty incredible because supposedly the real estate market is going to go up another double digits this mm-hmm. year in a low interest rate environment that mm-hmm. you just never see that. So right. the fact that they were able to f- figure out a way to lose this much money, yep. it speaks to the notion, and people have always said this, that real estate is a local business. You need to walk the property. Yeah. You need to see the way it's angled versus the sun, whatever it might mm-hmm. be, right? It, you need to understand, is there mildew? Are there termites? 
what's the school district, all that stuff. And algorithms couldn't figure it out, or at least they couldn't figure it out for Zillow. But mm-hmm. this is this was, if you look at what happened here, it's breathtaking. Um, and the dynamic it sort of reflects, again, coming back to froth, is that they chose growth over everything, even when it meant – it reminded me of Cybershop, this e-commerce company that start up, started mm-hmm. in the late 90s and went public. And it used to go buy this hot toy called Furbies for $29 and then sell them for 19 so mm-hmm. it could show incredible top-line growth. Yeah. And they were going and buying houses for X that had a resale value of 0.8X mm-hmm. just to show top-line growth. And you know what, Kara? For a while, it worked. The market said, well, oh, my gosh. Inter- here's something interesting. Barbara Corcoran, who's a very famous, obviously, real estate person. She's yep. also on Shark Tank. She said, like many others, a company was likely tempted to control the entire house hunting market since Zillow had access to sellers. Probably saw Keith Raboy and others over at Open, at Open Door and were like, we can do. That's our business, right? That's right. one thing. The other thing is th- the idea, first of all, they're unloading 7,000 houses, like that they didn't understand the cost structure. You know, mm-hmm. Barton was obviously founded the travel site Expedia also. He's a clearly a a talented entrepreneur, but yeah. you know, using algorithms to buy homes, repair them, and sell them is really not the. They just didn't approach it. And what was interesting is at the time, Keith Raboy, who was an, as I said, an investor, he's a venture capitalist in Open Door, um, said this was going to be a problem. Which I, and of course, everyone was like, "Oh, it's just you know sour grapes, etc." From a competitor. But what's interesting is that um, it seems like lots of people saw this. You know, lots of real estate people, at least. We're sort of not surprised by what what happened here, but everybody, but but the real estate industry poo pooing i buying is sort of similar to yeah. Jamie Dimon poo pooing crypto. Everyone yeah. was like, "Okay, boomer, yeah. you just don't get it." Mm-hmm. And also, it is an incredibly inefficient market. Anyone who sold a house and sees. Uh, you know, a nice guy or a nice lady, you know, roll up in their Jaguar every Sunday and mm-hmm. put out balloons and then get five to six percent of the transaction. You're yeah. kind of like, okay, this is very inefficient. Yeah. And it's a market that is ripe for disruption. But this was this, it, it, it's striking how dramatic the fall was. I buying is less than one percent of transactions, mm-hmm. but institutional buying of, of rentals is up to 20 percent. Yeah. This could have easily been a chill that could mm-hmm. have really rattled the market. If all of a sudden the next day Open Door also made a similar announcement, mm-hmm. you could have seen a real chill in the market. Yeah. But it looks like this was um, you know, endemic or specific to um to Zillow. It's it's just very interesting, but the mm-hmm. housing market has been has been just on such a tear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I buying and institutional buyers coming in. Typically when institutional buyers come in it reflects the top and everyone complains that it's going to drive housing up. It does in the short run, but oftentimes they screw up and then there's a fire sale and there's an opportunity to go in and buy stuff cheap because nothing, no asset, whether it's a company or a house, there's no better deal than trying to buy an asset that's been orphaned by a large company because yeah. they just want out. Yeah, and one of the they things, they, they tried to blame it on the labor market and then everyone was like, everyone else is doing fine, like in the same market. And so yeah. um, they they did say they couldn't just predict the, the prices accurately, which I can't believe with, you know, that they, they had all this data. The other thing is, as you said, it's, it's interesting because you have a company like Carvana, which is kind of doing this, which is also intriguing because mm-hmm. the way buying cars is broken, right? has been a broken yep. thing. At, and buying a house is a, has sort of been a broken thing, but you can't make it necessarily any easier um, just by algorithms. Well, the auto industry, I, I did a, I, I spoke to the um, management team of one of the, what was previously the most valuable automobile company in the world until Tesla came along. 
And pre-pandemic, less than 2% of cars were sold online. Now it's 30%. Yeah. And the automobile industry is suffering from the same challenge that the uh, banking industry is. And it's even more extreme in that the banking industry sees their operating system as a ready teller and a bank branch. And they've been letting the tail wag the dog. And that is they build their business around a bank branch that needs $50 million in deposits to be profitable. And they try and drive people into the bank branch. And young people in the emerging wealth does not want to deal with a bank. And the same is true of cars. And that is young people don't want to deal with an auto dealership. They don't want to go to the outskirts of town and walk into a dealership. And look at Tesla. They've dispersed the sales of automobiles to the website. And then when my Tesla breaks down, I don't even take it. There isn't a Tesla dealership. They come out and they repair it in my garage. And the problem with the traditional automobile supply chain infrastructure is that their quote-unquote partners are the wealthiest guy. When I was in Africa, I stayed yeah, at this local. ridiculous place. Guy. And it, it was owned by a billionaire. I'm like, how did this guy make his money? He's like, he's the largest Toyota dealer in Texas. Mm-hmm. And so you have this infrastructure of independently owned dealerships that yeah. have been amazing partners for these automobile manufacturing companies. But the reality is they're turning into a little bit of a legacy liability similar to bank branches. Yeah. But you're going to have a much harder time closing things for the long-term health of the business because these are entrepreneurs uh, It's that the worst experience. With it's the worst experience. We're going to get into cars in a second, which I terrible think retail. Terrible, terrible retail. Terrible retail. Um, but we're going to get that in one of our big stories. Um, but I agree with you. It's a real – It's th- there's more to come on this story. It's really and, – and the implications for Barton, too. Just very briefly, Facebook is getting out of the face business, maybe, shutting down facial recognition platforms, citing growing concerns about the use of the technology. Um, there's lawsuits. There's been lawsuits aplenty that cost Facebook a big chunk of change. Facebook told Gizmodo it's limited to Facebook app only, uh, not other apps like Instagram. There's a lot of like fine print. And also, uh, they're going to continue to reserve the right to use it. It obviously was used as a growth hack many years ago for people. You know, you post a photo and then you can see your so that you can say your photos on Facebook and this and that. So, uh, good move. But you know, I'm sure there's a lot of hooks to it. <laughs> I mean, because it's Facebook. I don't understand this, and uh, I mean, I don't. I don't know what the story is behind the story because there is. to unlock my. To unlock my Apple phone, they're yeah. using facial recognition. Right. But the difference is people trust Tim Cook and they don't trust Mark Zuckerberg. Also, there's been a lot of scraping by companies like Clearview AI of Facebook on these photos. It just, you know, it wasn't giving them enough bang for the buck kind of thing and uh, causing mm-hmm. all kinds of headaches. And good. Good on them. Good. But they're probably, they're doing it for probably very selfish reasons. Anyway, um, we'll see where it goes. I think they're not nearly out of this business because it's only on the Facebook app. But uh, again, they want a little credit and I'll give them a slight amount of credit, but I think probably they're doing it for not the reasons we'd imagine them doing it. Anyway, time for the big story. The big Hertz Tesla announcement is getting odd. Tesla shares soared last week after Hertz said it would purchase 100,000 vehicles. Then Elon Musk tweeted, no contract has been signed yet. Hertz disagrees, said that deliveries of Tesla had already started. And now Hertz said it will buy back $500 million of its stock. The biggest seller is an investment fund associated with its chairman, Greg O'Hara. I, I don't know what to say. What tell me? Tell, explain this to me, Scott. I'm confused. Well, we're just in uncharted territory. You have mm-hmm. a company that was bankrupt, purchasing four billion dollars worth of cars, and it increases the value of the automobile company in 30 days by the equivalent of five General Motors. Mm-hmm. It goes up 130 billion in value. So, mm-hmm. a bankrupt company buys four billion dollars worth of cars, and the automobile manufacturer that sold those cars increases $120 billion in value. I mean, we're in 
There's just no doubt about it. We're in crazy town right now. What what also just struck me as strange here, and Oswald said it. He said you can't find intrinsic rationale to value Tesla right now. Mm-hmm. It just it, it makes did, absolutely indeed. it makes absolutely Tesla is now worth more than the entire automobile manufacturing uh, globally industry, and throw in Boeing and Airbus and maybe every specialty retailer. And then uh, what was interesting or what I find interesting is the brand implications. And that is Tesla recognizes they're a luxury brand Mm -hmm. and they look at all the cars and the fleet sales coming out of Hertz. And someone reminded them that it is not great for your brand to have a bunch of champagne colored Ford Tauruses being sold to consumers after Hertz is is driven the shit out of them for Mm -hmm. 24 months. Mm -hmm. And I wonder like who sat Elon Musk down and said, having, having a a disproportionate number of cars in the Hertz fleet mm-hmm. may not be great for our brand because all mm-hmm. of a sudden he's backpedaling. Right. He and is. I don't understand why. I don't even know if it's a brand mm-hmm. issue, a deal issue. I don't know what's going on here. But when you have two CEOs, you never see this. The CEO who just made the largest purchase in the history of the, of the company mm-hmm. – the, the 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 CEO of the automobile company is saying that no, it's the deal isn't official, and then Hertz is saying yes, it is. Yeah, you and also they had that. hired Tom Brady to promote the pact, which was which is another sort of the football player. Uh, you know, it's completely. It, 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 I'm not sure who's in the wrong here, right? Correct. We don't know, but what I'll tell you who's in the wrong, though, in my opinion, mm-hmm. that they're buying back five hundred million dollars of stock. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I mean. What did they – give me a fucking – okay, I think the moment you buy back stock, you become ineligible for the next decade of any sort of government assistance, loan, bailout. So let me get this straight. The chairman is going to buy back stock. There's something that uh, – stock buybacks and are, are an efficient way to return capital to shareholders, mm-hmm. but it just strikes me as really um, – I just – you'd hate to see the same thing happen again where all of a sudden Hertz hits a tough patch of the economy and they go, we're in this together and we're great employers and we need mm-hmm. a government handout. I, I would love to know and I don't know what Hertz took uh, during the pandemic in terms of uh, economic relief. But I think rental cars – I don't know about you, but I, I just never need to – I find uh, renting cars mm-hmm. uh, or the traditional thing where you fly into an airport mm-hmm. and then go to a strange parking lot. I find the whole thing just, and then you get in and it smells like cigarettes. I, I, I find the whole thing just not an, an interesting experience. Yeah, that's true. But some, many people, I use it a lot. I use it when I when I used to travel. You rent cars in strange cities. You yes, and I you? the cigarettes, the whole thing. Yeah, that's right. And I yeah. get in fights with the Hertz. I use Hertz actually. Um, anyway, yeah. it's it's an odd story, and I, you should continue to unfold. Obviously, people think these contracts tend to be negotiated even after they're agreed to, and this and that. Uh, it's sort of it's it's a good thing for Hertz because a lot of the customers are demanding uh, electric cars, and of course, uh, Tesla doesn't want to be seen as selling at a discount, which they say they aren't. Right. Which Elon said they weren't. Um, some people, some of the rules are you can't use them for um, an Uber kind of thing. Anyway, it's a really, uh, it's a really complicated story. It's a, it's a story. I, there's a good Wall Street Journal story that I read, and I still don't understand what's happening, like what's going on here. Uh, presumably, it'll be sorted out. But um, but you know, Tesla has more demand than it than supply at this point still. Sounds like you should head to a parking lot in Virginia and get things sorted for us. I will. I shall. I shall not. But Do some reporting. But I shall do some reporting because I think I don't know enough here. But um, they're not supposed to use the cars for ride shares, is rentals that, and this and that. But I think it's... Um, 
I, I think it's it's a very complex story, but the the hurts coming out of this bankruptcy is going to be a much more interesting story, I think, than any of them because whether business travel is back, whether people use these things, and as you said, this might be a broken system as it is. But what is the solution, right? What is the actual solution when you want to rent a car uh, when you travel? It goes back to a key thing we've been talking about, and that's dispersion, and that is simply put that the rental car counter. Mm-hmm. And the place where the rental cars are stored in a garage, mm-hmm. those things not only don't add any value, they add negative value. Mm-hmm. And rental, we are moving to a point in enterprise kind of pioneered this 30 years ago. They used to drop off the car at your house. They did. And just as I never need to go to an auto dealership again, right. I never need to go to a rental car place again. And if I'm renting a car – and I think they can do this, and I think yeah. people who rent cars probably have the money to do this. They should meet you at the curb, you get in, and then he or she takes that fucking stupid bus back to the rental right. car Right, no, place. I agree. It's, it, there's been a lot of startups in this area, and they've all kind of flamed out. A ton. There's been a ton. Yeah, a there's ton. been a ton. Yeah. It's, it's a very logistically complex thing, with the, and you have to have the right employees, speaking of labor shortage. You really do. Uh, Enterprise is probably the best experience of all of them. Great company. And and I I'm, I keep going down these rabbit holes, but Enterprise employed the same thing that Chick-fil-A mm-hmm. employed, and it doesn't get enough attention, and that is they push equity and ownership down to the desk, and that is the guy or gal running every Chick-fil-A mm-hmm. owns a big piece of that Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. And also at Enterprise, they they had uh, created incredible career paths for people starting at the locations and made them owners. Yep. And so when you're in an enterprise, you just can feel it. The owner is there. There is a difference. Anyway. There's a big difference. Let's go on a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the election results in Virginia, big news, and elsewhere, including New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And also take a listener mail question about your kid's cell phone. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from Atlassian. One of our customers who produces pizza at a very large scale all across the world. Believe it or not, they use AI to review the quality of the pizzas that are created. That goes through a workflow that scans the images of the pizzas and makes sure they visually look like what they should. So it's pretty cool. That's Sharif Mansour, Atlassian's head of AI. Sharif thinks there's a lot for companies to be excited about on the AI-generated horizon, spanning everything from making pizza to producing podcasts like the one you're listening to now. There'll be far more jobs created on the other side of this revolution. Instead of a world of less, Sharif envisions an AI-powered world of more. In everyone's day job, they're moving from doing the thing to often being an architect of the thing. It unleashes the potential of every human. And I think we can go from a world where few people have access to a high level of intelligence to a lot more people having access to this information. AI is really giving everyone on the planet more resources to do great things. And I'm very optimistic about that opportunity that lies ahead. Transform teamwork with the power of AI-human collaboration. Start using Atlassian intelligence for your Atlassian products like Jira and Confluence now. Learn more at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N dot com. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. 
you can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Scott, we're back for our second big story. Uh, I mean, the politics, the Democrats' canary in a coal mine has Mm -hmm. died officially. Election results around the country are in, and Democrats lost races big and small. Republicans took the governor's mansion in Virginia, Len Youngkin. We're going to introduce choice within our public school system. Uh, New Jersey governor, current governor, incumbent Phil Murray, defeated the Republican opponent by the slimmest of margins. I am humbled to be the first Democratic governor re-elected in the great state of New Jersey since my dear friend, the late Governor Brendan Byrne, did this in 1977. Seattle might elect a Republican to citywide office for the first time in 30 years. Uh, Obviously, there's all these Mm -hmm. um, defund the police things failed in many cities. That said, Michelle Wu became the first woman and person of color, she's quite a progressive, to uh, win in Boston. There's a lot going on here. I have, there's a lot of fascinating things. And let me just begin by saying, I, I just wrote a piece where I said that, that uh, Glenn Youngkin should send a basket of flowers to Jack Dorsey because he managed to distance himself from Trump and yet be Trumpy at the same time, be Trump light essentially, or more Romney heavy. I don't know what you, what you would call him. Um, and he used critical race theory, et cetera, all this stuff that was swirling mm-hmm. around on social media, um, but managed to keep Trump away from himself. Um, and Trump mm-hmm. not being on Twitter and on social media probably helped because he would have been dealing with it every day um, had mm-hmm. that been the case. Um, so the people seem to think this guy wasn't like Trump, and it helped because these were the voters that rejected Trump in the 2020 election. Scott? Yeah, so I— I also think that um, Governor-elect Youngkin should send flowers to the squad and mm-hmm. Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema. Because what could Governor McAuliffe, what could he say that he has done for the people of Virginia? I brought you hearing aids for seniors. I brought you pre-K. Mm-hmm. I brought you family leave. No, he couldn't say any of those things. Right. And so the Democrats literally have – the Democratic Party has given uh, people running for office the weakest hand in the world right yep. now. Yep. And in addition, I think the Republicans have been very smart around messaging, and that is critical race theory is not being practiced anywhere in, in New Jersey or Virginia, but they have managed to basically position us as critical race theorists by virtue of the fact that, okay, you're saying standardized tests and gifted classes are racist. You have safe places at schools. True or not, they have figured out a way to position us as out of touch and a bunch of privileged people lecturing Mm -hmm. each other. Mm -hmm. And they've done a great job um, um, absolutely cementing this notion that we are out of of touch. Mm -hmm. And it is really... The fact that we have splintered into three different parties, the Democratic Party, the, the, the squad, and then the, the narcissist posing as moderates, they have just played us like a fiddle. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, 
We almost lost New Jersey, yeah. New Jersey, where there are a million more registered Democrats, because yeah. here's the thing. People would you – know, if you, the notion that we are going to shame the other side or moderates through uh, mm -hmm. being very persistent, very loud on Twitter is going to work. No, it's it not. reflects nothing. It's just absolutely going to – and we are – we come across as being so out of touch. Mm -hmm. We control all three houses of government and we can't get anything done. I think people would rather vote for people who they don't necessarily agree with or that they, they find uh, distasteful, but get shit done. Yeah. They, like, but, if, but if we Trump can't get shit done with all three distasteful. houses. That's the thing. Trump really does engender like that's, not him that's back a great point. With, with these with these moderates. And I think Youngkin did an excellent, uh, Trump sort of immediately was like, well, because of me. And I'm like, no, actually, he, it's just not good news for Trump because I think they found a way through the Trump, um, uh, you know, the alley where you get beat up essentially w when you, when you go with Trump. And so there's, there's, there's either been these, what they call rhinos, the Republicans in name only, the sort of Liz Cheney gang, or um, the the group that is just so obsequious, like Nikki Haley or even Ron DeSantis, et cetera, who are obsequious and it works where they are, but it doesn't work nationwide and it doesn't work with independents. They don't like Trump and they don't like you kissing up to him. And this guy managed to keep close with Trump without him staining him, right? That, that was what was really interesting. He looked like a banker. He is a banker. He's from the Carlisle Group, um, you know, with the fleece and the khakis and everything else. And he managed- the he, Yeah, the Allbirds. <laughs> he was just like, it's, it was perfect. And then he then he used, he's sort of like a, the old-timey Republican, which you dog whistle racism, you know, just the way the Bushes did around uh, um, mm -hmm. Willie Horton. Um, that was Leah, a Leah Water special. They sort of do that, and they all—that's they're good at that part, or scare people about gay people, or whatever they're whatever things they want to scare white people with, essentially. Um, and then they remove themselves from it, so they're not. Like, and Trump is so explicit, and they prefer to be implicit, and that's what Youngkin did. He was implicit rather than explicit, um, and therefore got the benefit of both doing these things, attacking critical race theory, etc. Uh, and then also distancing himself from it. It was really, it was, it was quite a thing to watch. It was quite a thing to watch. The, the most successful or the best-selling soft drink in the world mm -hmm. is the Republican Party's new strategy, mm -hmm. and that is Diet Coke. Mm -hmm. And everybody here is going to be, the, the new strategy for the next two years is going to be Trump light. Mm -hmm. And that is embracing his policies, embracing his political incorrectness, embracing his lack of fear around saying you know, quote unquote, inappropriate things, calling things out, positioning us as out of time, all those things, but just don't embrace the man. Just mm -hmm. don't let him on stage with you. Mm -hmm. And this is, this. he is literally, they're going to adopt this playbook. He's they're going to be Trump-like. He knows it, by the yeah. way. That's why he was so like, his, it, you could see him like, where do I fit in this power structure? I'm like, you're the, you're the prop. Yeah. You're now the prop, just so you know. His and endorsement I, is still hugely powerful though. Yeah, with, with that group. So you got to keep that little group that you need, yeah. you need the crate, the, the the Trumpies on. You need the the diehard Trumpies, but the independents don't want that. Though it's a really, it's a, it's a one of the things I thought. I, I thought when the race was lost, when McAuliffe said, with talking about, um, you know, parents are sick and tired of keeping their kids home. They don't, you know, they're tired of masking, even if they did. Like a lot of these people were vaccinated, followed masking rules, you know, and but got exasperated by schools, right? Got exasperated mm -hmm. and then started to see things they didn't love their kids being taught. Mm -hmm. Although 
everybody disagrees on that. If you're a parent, you're like, oh, really? You're, you know, I always do that when I see them. I'm like, that book? Okay. You know, why? And, and when, and when, um, um, when uh, McAuliffe said parents should stay out of school in their curriculum, yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. No, like, it doesn't mean we run it, but then, and then you allow the crazies to take over these school boards all over the place, which is happening, of course. Some, some of which are disturbing, like trying to censor certain mm-hmm. books that are they're wonderful books, like Toni Morrison's Beloved, um, and important books. Uh, but they, they, when he said that, I was, I was even like, what? What did you just say? Like, I have no say in my child's education. Are you kidding me? Like, don't say that. Don't say that. And especially to like, especially to women who shifted over to uh, to Yunkin rather rather significantly. Anyway, I, I actually I, I think it was it was a tone deaf statement. They they grabbed it and ran with it. Yeah, that's um, what I mean. As someone, as someone, I'm, I'm I've been on the board of my kid's school. I know what he I meant. I do think that. Right. Yeah. I do think at the end of the day, uh, um, schools. I think it's it's we haven't. It's sort of like advertising. Anybody who watches TV immediately believes they're a mild expert on advertising, and mm-hmm. anybody who knows someone who had COVID thinks all of a sudden they're a junior epidemiologist. Mm-hmm. And anyone with kids thinks they have insight into learning. What I have okay. found is that it is similar to being on the board of, of a company. You are there to support the person. You are there to provide advice. They get to make decisions because ultimately they mm-hmm. need to be held accountable. And if you don't like the way the schools run, you fire the headmaster or the CEO. But I don't, I had a real problem with a lot of parents, and I know this is not what you're saying, mm-hmm. a lot of parents showing up and deciding yes. that they had PhDs in education. Yeah. And it, it was just like, okay, we understand you have kids. We understand you have a choice here. We understand you have a huge invest, vested interest in what we do here. But your job is to put pressure on the board to fire and hire the right guy or gal and then let them make the decisions, quite frankly, because this is not easy. I think this was under a backdrop of people being cooped up at home. They're being told what to do, told what to do with their kids. Um, and that their kid has to stay at home if they if they leave for Thanksgiving. Yes. Do you know? Yes. I'm just saying <laughs> My, people were tired of being told, even 100%. like among, especially among the liberal groups of people, the parents I know, they're... Like, what are they telling us now? Like, nobody's liking this. And I think th- this guy hit at the exact hit at that frustration when most people are reasonable. And most people are reasonable, by the way. They're not, th- these groups of crazies yeah. are just noisy and loud, just the way any group like this is. But I think it did hit at this, like, now what are they telling me what to do? And, 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 ta- like, and then he was there with, like, don't let them tell what, what to do. And you're like, yeah, I don't want to. You know, I don't know. It was, it was interesting. Well, well, uh, just case in point, I, I have a I have a family member. I do not have a big family. Mm-hmm. Um, we really wanted to get all the cousins together for Thanksgiving, uh-huh. and uh, one of the schools that one of the cousins is in has explicitly said, if you leave for Thanksgiving, you your kids need to isolate when they get back. Isolate, not just test. I think it's both. Um, and and you think, okay, so now the school is dictating my ability to have family gatherings mm-hmm. over the holidays. Yep. And it is really, and, and, the, and the school is trying to just be responsible they and are. their heart's in the right place. But it, it, I mean, it, here's what it comes right down to, Kara. People wrongly or rightly have decided whether or not the pandemic is actually over or burning out, that the pandemic is over. They're like, okay, I've played by the rules. I've done my best. People are gonna die. But I think people have sort of mentally decided, I'm kind of I'm done. Let, mm-hmm. let the chips fall where they're going to fall. 
And I'm vaccinated, right? And so what, I'll take yeah. the risk kind of thing. Yeah, it was, uh, it, the, the numbers yeah. on this are really interesting, the shifting um, numbers back and forth. And these, the power of these independents, I guess you'd call them, that shift back and forth, whether it's New Jersey or Virginia, are really, and they are very affected by online stuff too, like this suggestion. And so a lot of this stuff really worked. And and the and then when you, I think what the Democrats did that was a mistake is they're like, um you know, if you're for the for him, you're racist, and it's like, no, don't do that yeah, because no, they're not. They're not. Not all of them are. They are. They, well, that, and all that they counter that with. Well, when you look at everything, and this isn't true, but when they position uh, far left Democrats as looking through the lens of everything through the lens of of race, then boss, you're the racist, and that's how they've positioned us. They've they positioned they've us as fighting racism with segregation at a young age, and moderates go. No, the first thing we should teach our kids is about shared experience and victories and hopes before we start telling, saying to people, and I don't think which most schools do, are doing this. Which but they do. Let me just, that, they, I agree, they take but this individual is, about little messaging. dumb things. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I'm talking about messaging. They've, they've positioned us as saying, okay, uh, the, and this isn't true, but there's enough data points they can pull, yeah. they can make a character of. They it's love like, the okay, anecdote. At, at the age of eight or 19, oppressors on this side of the classroom, oppressed on this side. Mm -hmm. And the Republicans have been masterful in positioning us as privileged people that want to lecture each other. And uh, the Democratic Party has been a disaster around positioning. I also think there's some remnants. I think that, and again, there's no elegant way to lose a war, but I think our exit from Afghanistan, which is bungled so badly. We can't get anything passed. This is, I'm hoping this is a low point. I do think that the mm -hmm. House and the Senate Democrats are going to get the message here. Mm -hmm. I got to think this is a really fucking ugly call mm -hmm. this morning talking yeah. about what happened last night. Yep. And I got to think Nancy Pelosi is calling the squad and calling Joe mm -hmm. Manchin and Kristen Sinema and say, get your shit together. Mm -hmm. Get your shit together. Did you see what happened last night? Yeah. So I, I, I'm hoping that this is a burning platform, which the Democrats needed to say, okay, yep. this is going to get really ugly in two years if we don't get our act together. Yeah, I thought Jonathan Shade, who I don't always agree with, did a quite a good short story about this, um, which I, I think um, uh, if you ask most progressive analysts why Republicans usually try to change the subject away from publication, have seized on schools as their message, they'll answer, you'll hear something like, because they're racist. There's a lot of truth to this. The Republican Party has a huge number of racists in it, and those who aren't still, by definition, tolerate racism by the party's leaders. A non-trivial part of the backlash to education comes from parents who are offended by accurate teaching about slavery, reconstruction, and structural racism, or don't want their kids to be exposed to Toni Morrison, the actual policies Republicans are pushing on schools are liberal to make the mockery of their professed belief in free speech. And yet this kind of response has made it difficult for liberals to acknowledge that maybe Republicans are focusing on schools, at least in part because they detect genuine policy failures that have alienated part of the Democratic constituency. I think that's, and this last thing, let me just read it because I thought it was so good. The overlapping debates over school closing and racial equity have both characterized by heavily moralistic language compressing the issue into a false binary. It's possible to favor some measures to contain the pandemic while wanting to keep schools open or to support unvarnished history without the Robin D'Angelo jargon. That's the White Fragility book. Anyway, I thought that was great. I think this is a really yeah, interesting agreed. One. I they was do. forwarded the same article. They've got to get on the phone and stop, you know, don't let them, because the Republicans are deeply cynical. That's what it is. And, and you know, they're going to keep mm -hmm. doing it. And, and then uh, one of the things that um, I was at a party and one of them, um, you know, it was quite liberal group of people. And 
they're like, can you believe he's saying this? I'm like, yeah, I believe it. Like, of course he wants to win. Like, what are you ta- like? Yeah, like that you have to stop pretending they're not going to be this cynical and do this and just move in there with some elbows, some sharp, sharp elbows, sharp elbows. But you know, mm-hmm. I advocate that. The militia at the ratio. sharp elbows? Uh, no, no. I, I, I'm playing as tough a game as they do and, and, and instead of agonizing and attacking each other. Yeah, our, our messaging has just been uh, <sighs> abysmal. I, I, uh, anyway, I feel bad for Governor McAuliffe. I thought he was a good governor. I think eh. he's a very decent man. And we eh. sent him— He was a good governor. We, we poured honey on him and sent him hunting for bears yeah. in that election. Oh. We just did not help him at all. That's a visual. The edibles are kicking in. I'm assuming he's not posing like you do. That's it. I'm taking off my shirt. No, I'm taking off my shirt. Please, for the love of God, don't. Gun shows in town. I feel I feel triggered. I feel unsafe. Okay, Scott. uh, I really don't. I'm not. I don't ever feel unsafe around you. Um, Let's pivot to a listener question. You've got. You've got. I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You've got mail. This one came in an email from Sarah Smith. I'll read it. I'm curious why tech isn't developing exciting mobile devices suitable for the tween age group. I don't know any parents who are thrilled about getting a smartphone for their kid, yet we'd all like to have a way to contact them that isn't a flip phone. A friend of mine is considering an Apple Watch for his almost 10-year-old. Is this the best option uh, if you want to be able to contact your kiddo but don't want to have full access to the web? Any advice for the 9 to 12 crowd? There are phones. There are phones that are, there's a product called, um, that our producers are putting in a relay. It's a screenless push-to-talk phone marketed to kids. Um, There's not a more featured phone. I don't believe there's too many featured phones like that beyond flip phones, which of course, at one point I gave to one of my kids because they were driving me crazy with all their apps. Um, And they didn't know what to do because it only makes phone calls essentially. Um, So I don't know, Scott, what do you think? Should there be different phones for kids or, or versions that are kid I don't imagine like any a of beeper. these. Make, what? <laughs> Go back to a beeper. Uh, beeper. I, I don't know. For me, for me, the phone is plays a critical role in the father son relationship. Is it's the only thing I can threaten to take away that has any impact? Oh wow! Okay. Uh, Go to your room. Okay, fine. They love going to the room. Uh, you know, there's. I literally have no <laughs> leverage nice over room. my kids whatsoever. Yeah. Other than taking away their phone, that is the only thing they respond to. Yeah, I did so, that too. I did that too. You know, that's it. It's it, other than that, we have absolutely no leverage. Um, I'm sure there's also. I, I would imagine. I don't know this. I would imagine even on iOS, there's like a kid version. Yeah, you can do all kinds. Of, there's things you can, Sarah. You can do things on Apple phones that really make them. Yeah. And there's Verizon uh, apps that allow you to know what they're doing and to restrict times. And uh, I did one thing where I turned off the phone after I don't know nine o'clock at night. And the first, I didn't tell them. <laughs> We take their phone when they go to sleep. Oh, do you? Yeah, I just, I just turn yeah. it off. Just And then they were like, well, my phone's broken. I'm like, no, it's not. I have complete control of your phone. Um, uh, you can do all kinds of things like that. But you should have, here's what you should do. Talk to your kids about the uses of phones. I gave my kids phones mm-hmm. pretty early compared to most parents. And we had a long talk about the uses of it, when they could use it, what they could mm-hmm. have on it. Um, I don't like to monitor my would kids. Would you check the con? Would you? No. Would you check the content on your? I yeah. I don't. We've had arguments over that in our house. I, I don't think you we know should. what? My ex-wife and I argue about it quite a bit. Um, she's yeah. much more monitor oriented, I would say, and mm-hmm. I am over mm-hmm. the years, not not now, but um, but I I do not think you should track your children. I just don't. I just I have a thing about that. Uh, something you said really resonated with me, and it was something along the lines of we all have the right to have secrets. And it's one thing when I find mm-hmm. very objectionable content in the the history of my kids' YouTube viewership at the age of 11. I think that you have an obligation to kind of check in and see what they're doing on YouTube. 
But I don't think, I think people yes. have the right to have secrets. And even, I'm not sure if that's true of an 11 year old, but my son, my oldest now is 14. And we have uh, some pretty heated arguments in the house. I'm like, you know what? Uh, I was doing stuff at 14 that I didn't want my parents to know about, and that was okay. Or that would have been embarrassing. And uh, I don't know if we need to be the East German, East German Stasi just because we can. Just because we can monitor their entire lives doesn't mean we, we should. Yeah. I, I did it once on Snapchat with one of my sons. He was he was off me. And you pretended girl. to be the girl. <laughs> I found him. You went I'm online. Like, Hey, handsome, heard you're a butcher. Uh, no, he just was, I, he, he was gone. He was gone from the house at, at, at an hour I did not like. My other son had been playing, mm -hmm. uh, turning on the Sonos and waking him up a lot, you know, doing that game that they do. Like, I don't know, you'll see what happens. You can turn on loud, irritating music. And I, and he came in, my younger son, and said, no, he's not here. I couldn't annoy him. Like, he didn't get annoyed because he wasn't here. And it was in the middle of the night. And I, then I, I did track him that time because I was but both irritated and also worried. And so, but in general, I tend to think either you talk to your kids about it. And I, I do check in, like uh, this morning, I uh, one of them was listening to YouTube. I'm like, what are they listening to? And it turned out it was about the Continental Congress. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, good. Um, but I try not to, I try not to spy. I don't like it. I don't, I, some, I just don't like it. I don't know. So the advice is for the younger, younger people, um, yeah. there are a lot of things you can put on the uh, phones that are, um, Apple Watch is not a bad idea. Um, what else? I don't know. Flip phones tend I don't to work. Know. Isn't, isn't that asking a kid to be bullied when he shows up with an oyster phone? phone. <laughs> isn't that, is, isn't that saying, hey, wear this member's only jacket. The kids <laughs> will love it. Um, Those are cool now, Scott. <laughs> but it is amazing. It is amazing how fast all of these technologies are. My, my, uh, I, I have the boys this week. So I let my youngest son sleep with me and we had the dogs in the bed. And, yeah. and uh, this morning, okay. the first thing he he sets, set an alarm for, you know, 720. The alarm goes off. Like, literally, I can't get this kid out of bed. He pops up and he goes, Alexa, announce. Nobody likes you, Alec. That's his, his younger <laughs> brother. That's the first thing that runs through his mind is we need to announce the entire household. The first thing we need to hear at sunrise is nobody likes you, Alec. Can I tell I mean, you, it does not that's stop. That's his first, his first yes. synapse yes. fire when he wakes yeah. up yeah. is yeah. he wants to terrorize his brother. Yeah, that oh happened God. this morning in my house too, and it was like. And then okay. what we did, and then you know what we did for the first ten minutes with my mm -hmm. youngest is we searched for like twenty minutes for the almond joy that I had eaten the night before from his Halloween take. Oh, but I was very earnest it? in the search. Like, I don't know where it went. It's <laughs> got to be here somewhere. Almond joys. Yeah. Oh, they're the best. Oh, mounds and almond joys. Candies from heaven. Oh, no. no, I'm going to send you a box. Oh, gross. I'm going to send you your own box so you stop taking your kid's candy. You got to stop doing Sometimes that. you feel like a nut, Kara. Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you live like a nut, like Scott Galloway. Uh, anyway, that was a good question. Go. Send us more. If you've got a question you're curious about, go to nymag.com slash pivot and submit it for the show. A lot of people on Twitter this week had a... Had lots of questions from our our guests. They loved Oswath. Um, oh my gosh, we're we're Twitter loved Professor Demodoran. Yep, he, they did. They did. They did. And we'll have him back again. So lots of questions. To ask questions. We'll ask him and see if he'll answer them and different things like that. So Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for predictions. Hear that. Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. 
Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Support for this show comes from the Harvard Business Review. You know, there's this idea in business that some people are born to be leaders. You either have it or you don't. But leadership, like any skill, can and should be learned over time. Whether you've climbed to the top of the corporate ladder or are just starting out, you'll find valuable insights at Harvard Business Review. Harvard Business Review is a leading destination for smart management thinking. And on their website, hbr.org, subscriptions are just $10 a month, which gives you unlimited access to the same level of expertise. Things like case studies, newsletters, podcasts, articles written by some of the world's top minds. I use HBR in my research when I do articles or when I'm thinking about what to talk about on Pivot. I find them really interesting. I find them complete. I find them different. And you can find all kinds of industries covered. While much of Harvard Business Review's content is available for free after signing up at their site, subscriptions to unlimited content start at only $10 a month. What a bargain. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT right now to get 10% off your subscription. Again, save 10% off your HBR subscription. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT. Okay, Scott, give us this week's predictions. Make it snappy. Make it snappy. Uh, in the next five days, we're going to see more progress around the um, Build Back America bill or the infrastructure on both bills. We're going to see okay. more progress in the next 72 hours than we've seen in the last 72 days. I think All this right. was – Explain yourself. You know, the, well, the, 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 nothing brings people together like being bombed from overhead. I mean it's pretty clear that – that the Republicans have literally taken us <laughs> behind the woodshed and kicked the shit out of us last night. Yeah. And this is going to give create the burning platform to unite all this ridiculous infighting. The, the, the best way to defeat an enemy is to atomize them. And we've not only, they've not only split the Democratic Party in two, they've split it in three. Yeah. And I can't imagine that Schumer and every party leader and Pelosi are sitting down with, with, <laughs> with their caucuses and saying, okay, Okay. Any questions? We need to figure yeah. this shit out pronto. So I yeah. think we're going to see a lot of progress. Although, you know, you never know. I think, I think the Republican Party is going to see a bit of a fight with Trump. I think Trump's not going down like this. Like, he's going to, like, assert. He has no ability not to assert himself. So I mm -hmm. don't think it's over. I, some of the emails, like, were so not chill. Like, because I, I, he's got a lizard sense of what's happening, which is they're trying mm -hmm. to— trying to like put him on a shelf and, and and preserve him in amber to get rid of mm -hmm. his grosser characteristics of which are very gross um and so they want to keep him from volcanically erupting um mm -hmm. but unfortunately for trump as i said last year his his tools are get less and less the rallies are you know don't work with the independents the the fans are the fans no matter like it's sort of like that's what it is and so i think it's um I think there'll be fractures over on the other side, too. I have They've a media recommendation for the weekend. Okay, I have a show go for ahead. You. Go for it. Um, a really important original scripted miniseries from Hulu, um, uh, Dope Sick. Oh, I've heard uh, that was good. I've seen ads for it. Yeah, It's it's fantastic. And just it's uh, with, give me a minute here. Michael Keaton, Keaton, who's similar right. to... So similar to John Travolta, everybody talks about his comeback, but the reality is he never went anywhere. This is no, an incredible actor and an underrated actor, in my view. Nominated for Birdman, started with started with um, Night Shift and Mr. Mom, uh, was fantastic. In my opinion, was the best Batman. I think he's he Beetle played juice. a. a 
Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. He was wonderful as an addict uh, in a movie in the 90s. And in this, he plays a small town doctor. And I won't spoil it, but the, the, the show is about the opioid crisis, which is, which is claiming more Americans than the every year than the entire Vietnam conflict. And for two of the last three years, for the first time in our history, we've actually seen a decline in life expectancy. But more than that, uh, the show is really about, in my view, the show is about um, is about love. It, there's a mm -hmm. young lesbian couple in it trying to just live their lives. Michael Keaton is a widower that misses his wife and can't get past the death, death mm -hmm. of his wife. And it got me thinking about public policy, and I realize this is going to sound very, I don't know, existential, but it, we have unfettered access to guns. We have unfettered access to capitalism. We encourage and get clear all obstacles out of making money. We have pretty much unfettered access to free speech to get in the way of people being able to decide where their heart wants to go. And I think that's what this program is about mm -hmm. is incredibly unproductive and incredibly un-American. And mm -hmm. I, I, I come back to this legislation that we're not going to have maternity leave. We're going to tell people who should and shouldn't be in emergency rooms when people are sick. Mm -hmm. We're going we're to have tax policy that gets in the way of people loving who they want to love. I think that the, this show, it really struck me that the key – to America, if you really want to talk about central freedoms, it really is about caring for who you want to care about. And it just, it, I think it is mm. such a, that would a, be nice. a lovely series mm -hmm. that really touches on a lot of things. Anyways, Dope Sick with the incredible Michael Keaton, and it's on a yeah. very important issue that we should, we should really, uh, has literally ripped apart the heartland of America for the last decade. I it's a shall fantastic watch it, but show. Not until I go see The Eternals. Which is coming out the next Marvel movie? I, I love. Really, I don't everything. even know what that is. It's is the next it Marvel movie. Angelina in, Jolie is an Eternal. So guys in uh, tights. Gemma Chan, I think it's Gemma Chan and uh, Camille Nanjani. It's it's like this incredible to cast. It's very long, and I don't care. I'm going to be very Wait, is it a superhero film? Yes, it's the Marvel. It's the next Marvel movie. Oh, it's God. like you know these side make it Marvel stop. movies. Jesus no. Christ, make it no. stop! No, I shall not make, make it, stop. it stop. No, it was oh. wonderful. It was, they're okay. wonderful, all of them. Okay. You may not insult my Mar my Marvel movies. And then, of course, you and I are going to go see Top Gun Maverick together. Oh, I'd like that. Yeah, that'll be fun. We're going to fly into the danger zone. And you can, you can be Loggins. somewhat shirtless if you want Not to underrated. That, he, he is an artist is not underrated. <laughs> no, 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 Kenny no. Loggins is not underrated. Ah, wait. Oh, my God. I love that movie so Everybody much. foot loose. <laughs> I mean, you know. That guy, that guy is living on the beach somewhere, and he should be really grateful. He could have very yeah. easily not, not hit it big. Kenny yeah, Loggins. Yeah. yeah, well, that's just the song. We're talking about the movie. Because you know what? Maverick's going to be in trouble again, in case you're interested, because he's he's brash and he does what he wants. That's what's going to happen in the movie, just so you know. I just, think they should bring back Val Kilmer. <laughs> <laughs> I might have. Is he in this yeah. one? He might be. He I don't think so. so. I don't think Val's ready for the, the screen anymore. I think his agent's like, yeah. look at Tom Cruise. He looks like I he's 22. Val and Val Kil he's Kilmer. So when he's, bite, uh, when he's chewing the, the, the gum. Remember that yeah. chewing gum thing with that fantastic chiseled jaw? I am jaw? dangerous. I yes, am dangerous. he has the chiseled jaw. And Kelly McGillis. Yeah. Kelly McGillis, mm -hmm. remember her? Yes. She's a tall drink of lemonade. Witness? She late, Hello, she later, hottie. She later moved oh into God. being a lesbian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we know that. We know that. What? I don't see. I don't see sexual orientation. <laughs> I just see her and Harrison Ford making sweet, sweet Amish love. Oh my God, was that hot? Was that hot? And then Alexander Goodenough, the Amish man in the in the waiting in the wings. A lot of sexual tension. Witness. Anyway, I'm excited for the channels. I will watch Dope Sick, though. Anyway, uh, uh, this has been a great show. 
mm-hmm. we'll be back on Tuesday for more. We're having so much fun, That's Scott. Right. Are you excited for yeah. PivotCon? Many people have asked me about it. I'm excited. I'm super we'll excited. It's going to be soon. awesome. Miami, we're going to have, uh, we're going to, Aswath is going to be there. We're going to have, yeah. hopefully, it's gonna super, be super it's gonna deep be thinkers around crypto. It's going to be, yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And Senator Rubio, it'll be like Sofia Coppola at the Oscars. Can I come? Oh, Can I come? Rubio. We should have Rubio. Anyway, anyway, oh, we'll be me. in Florida. All we need to do is send him an invitation. He'll be there. We're going to Florida. Does anyone there have a cousin in Iowa? Okay, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> All right. I'm in. Okay, Scott, read us out. Today's show was produced by Lara Naiman, Evan Engel, and Taylor Griffin. Thanks also to Drew Burrows, Ernie Intertod, engineer of this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. If you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or, frankly, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media. We'll be back next Tuesday for another breakdown of all things tech and business. What is the least American thing? What is the least American policies we could ever have? Anything that gets in the way of why we are here, and that is to be courageous with our heart and to love whoever we want to love. Support for the show comes from Atlassian. Whether you're exploring space, making pizza, or producing a podcast like this one here, chances are your team is marching into the AI-generated horizon. Atlassian Intelligence is unleashing a new era of teamwork. You can use Atlassian's AI-powered products for everything from brainstorming ideas to finding information to summarizing huge documents, all by using normal, everyday language. Atlassian AI-powered software like Jira and Confluence help teams accomplish what would otherwise be impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. Learn how you can transform teamwork with the power of AI at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.